welcome to this edition of Faith in the Republic. I am your host, Keith Haney. This is a new podcast about the role of faith in the American story. On this podcast, you will get a, ch- a bit of history, but you'll get a chance to really see and meet people who has let, have allowed their faith to shape the course of human events in their little corner of the world or even globally. But you'll get to hear some inspiring stories from ordinary people about how God has shaped their lives and their history. My guest today is Phil Zilke, and I want to have Phil tell you a little bit about his story, a little bit about his background, and we'll dig into our question. How you doing, Phil? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing well. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me on today. Pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your background. So I grew up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, I come from a long line of teachers and pastors. So there were a couple of things I said I'd never do in my life. I'd never want to be a teacher, never want to be a pastor. Yeah, I get um, you. <laughs> but, but, you know, God has his way of working things out and finds a way for the things that you're completely against for you to actually not only get on board with, with the Lord and what he wants, but also to enjoy them, you know, in the process. Uh, but I uh, currently, I've been married to my wife, Carrie, for 13 years. I have two sons, Graham and Hudson. They're five and seven. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and that was the biggest um, marker in my life, a turning point when it comes to faith. And I went through that journey from age 22 to 24. I had stage four cancer twice, and on my hospital bed is when I really came to know the Lord. And um, I am just on fire, excited, you know, to be able to reach out to the sick, people that are hurting, uh, reach out and love the way that Jesus calls us to do it, and to share the gospel through words when we can. Wow, that's a powerful story. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten from anyone? Oh, man. I've had a lot of really, really good advice over the years, a lot of great mentors. But I think probably some of the best advice that I got uh, was from my grandmother. And she said, Phil, I don't care who you marry, as long as it's a Christ-centered woman. That's good advice. Yeah. And that's really uh, made a big difference, you know, in my life. Uh, Carrie, um, you know, like I said, we've been married for 13 years, but it was on our two-year dating anniversary when I first got the words that I had cancer. And I knew there was something different about this girl when I met her, and uh, I just couldn't put my finger on it. And she was beautiful, and I wanted to date her, and I knew immediately when I met her, she's the one. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, instead of her walking away, and a lot of people told her to walk away, she stood by my side through that whole thing. And what ended up, I realized later on, what was different about her, she had the Holy Spirit inside of her. And I was not too attuned to that uh, before in my life. And so when I'd get weak during my journey, you know, she'd pull me aside and we'd go in the, in the Bible and she'd say, Phil, you're worrying. This is what God says about worrying. We don't need to. You know, we need to trust him. And um, after my first year of going through cancer and getting better, I was a fourth grade teacher and I ended up getting engaged to her. And then that next year I got re-diagnosed again. Um, but this time I, she wasn't my girlfriend. She was my fiance since we had gotten engaged. And uh, she stood by my side through that entire thing again, even had to push our wedding back because we were a few months away from our wedding. And she's been there ever since. So I'm, I'm thank God, you know, for my grandmother. I've had great mentors in my life. Uh, but her giving that advice of just saying, hey, I don't care who you marry, but as long as it's a Christ-centered woman. You mentioned that you said she was full of the Holy Spirit. Can you kind of tell us, because in our Lutheran context, <laughs> yes. we're not really sure sometimes what that <laughs> phrase means. Could you kind of dig a little deeper for us? Yeah, I, I got to say, growing up in Lutheran schools and in the church and, you know, having one, I'd say I had a couple toes inside the church and, and a bunch out, that phrase, I felt like there's a lot of emphasis on God as the Father, you know, and Jesus as the Son, but not a lot on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we talk about the Trinity and, you know, being three in one. I think it, you know, 
you see something different uh, when things don't make sense from a human perspective. Sure. Uh, when you say only God could do that. And so with my wife, um, one thing that I noticed about her is she had such great commitment to the Lord. She'd say things to me that just kind of put me off my rocking chair a little bit. Uh, things is like, oh, I feel called one day to speak to large crowds of people. I'm like, well, how do you know that? She's like, well, I spent time in the Bible. You know, God's confirmed it through people around me in the community. And so when I say really led by the Holy Spirit, I think, you know, we have we have God's word and, um, you know, spending time in journaling and, you know, getting in other practices. But it's really a leading of the Holy Spirit. If you look in Acts chapter two, obviously in the start of the early church, you know, it says that, you know, the spirit ushered in and, you know, that Jesus gave us that gift. And so that's what I'm praying for is for God to raise up not just individuals, but communities of people where we can experience what they experience in Acts chapter two. Yeah, that is powerful. So you, you mentioned that you had cancer twice and, and stage four is, is pretty serious, of course. So tell us yeah. how cancer shaped your faith journey. Oh man. Cancer was that it stopped my life. Uh, it put everything on pause everything it's like god worked out all these kinks that i needed to get worked out of my life by you know spending a couple of years on my hospital bed when you're finally laying on your bed and you realize you know the people that you thought would show up aren't there the friends that you had aren't there before um there was one thing that did remain and that's that god was there and uh, i had my grandfather who met me on my bedside actually one day i woke up and there was a man sitting in the corner of my room and it was my grandfather and he had a book in his hand and he's a lifelong uh, learner, he's a pastor, he's evangelist, and he was highlighting this in this book. And it turned out it was the Bible that I got in confirmation class. He had gone to my house and grabbed it, and he highlighted all the verses with hope and strength and peace. And then he read those aloud to me. And then he came to my bedside and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Phil, I want to let you know your grandma and I, we love you. But most importantly, your heavenly father loves you. And he left that Bible on my nightstand. And when I was too weak or too sick to do anything, um, even, you know, I read those verses, they'd go on and on in my head and on and on in my heart. And uh, when I was too sick to open my eyes, you know, too, I was fed by tubes, all of that, those verses, again, they were just inside of me. And that's where I got my strength from. So the biggest thing that I really learned through cancer is, one, uh, life is about Jesus and what he wants. And the sooner we get on board with that, the better. And um, it just kind of stripped everything away, you know, for me, the media, which can be so negative and uh, a lot of stories being spun in certain directions. Um, you really see what the truth is um, when everything else is stripped away. Sure. It was a gift to me. Yeah. So can you not for those who haven't dealt with cancer, we may have people in our lives who what is it like for you living with cancer? Oh, man. It was the. It's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Uh, the challenges are every day. You learn to, first of all, I mean, we all try to put things on our calendar, you know, put things on our smartphone and schedule things on in advance. You can't do that anymore. You have to learn to live moment by moment. Uh, I remember times being in my hospital room where I'd look at the clock and it was during my stem cell transplant. And I was down to like 130 pounds and my body was completely gray and fed by tubes couldn't have a sip of water for a month, month and a half because I had such bad sores up and down my esophagus. But um, basically what I learned, you know, during those times is that uh, God is everything. And the sooner you make Jesus as Lord of your life, I knew Jesus died for me. But now Jesus was going to be my focus. He was going to be the Lord over everything in my life. 
and that was that switching point. And so I think what it's like for someone who's going through cancer is it's hard. It's challenging. Um, every day is different. You, you never know what's going to be around the corner and thank God you don't know what's going to be around the corner right. because there's so many challenges, you know, that, that pop up and, you know, adverse reactions to drugs or, uh, whatever that may be. So, um, I think every, every situation for each person, everybody responds differently to a, to a health crisis. Um, but I, I think I've seen the underlying, you know, good things that come out of it. And I think one of the things that, um, I was sitting next to a pastor on an airplane and I was flying to St. Louis and I, it was a guy, I think they were getting ready to do something with like a bishop or, uh, actually a cardinal and start a cardinal in St. Louis, uh, for the Catholic church. And I was sitting next to this priest and he's talking and I started telling him my story. And then he goes, you know, Phil, there's three miracles in life. And I go, okay, you know, what are they? He goes, well, the first thing is what people often pray for. Uh, when they're sick, they want a physical miracle. They want physical healing. And that's typically where people start. Um, but the second thing that people pray for is, um, or actually the most important thing that people pray for, I'm drawing a blank on the second one. The most important thing that people pray for, or actually here it is the second thing. Sorry, Keith. Oh, no problem. My, my mind, this is, this is something from cancer, right? Sometimes your short term memory, it goes that's away. That's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, the second, the second miracle he talked about is when someone's going through a difficult situation, they can actually see the good in it. And that's a miracle. And I've really found that miracle through going through this. And it's great to see the light bulb go on in people's lives. But he said the third most important thing is what Jesus has done for you. Going to the cross, dying for you, uh, pouring out his blood, you know, after living a perfect life so that you can you can have eternal life through faith in Christ. And he said that's the most important miracle that people need to focus on. And I've seen all three of those happen in people's uh, circumstances as we support people with cancer. So what was the most helpful thing to support your family got during your cancer treatments? Yeah, most important thing for my family was definitely prayer. Uh, just to know that prayer is powerful and to hear from people all across the country, you know, especially, you know, the Lutheran network is, it's, it's a big network, but it's very small, you know, as you know, Sure. but to know that you have people from California or different countries or, you know, people teaching at, you know, Concordia International School in Shanghai or wherever to know that people are praying for you. And those prayer requests came in uh, every single day and those prayers were felt. And so I would say the power of prayer was the most important thing for myself and also for my family. So, so what's the worst question or the worst statement you got or received during treatment? <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, but if I was to choose one, I would say probably the worst thing that someone said to me while they were in their context is something they didn't didn't even realize that would have been harmful or hurtful, uh, but just not having the awareness. And it was, I, man, I feel like I'm dying. You know, and that person had a really rough day, whatever. Wow, was going yeah. On. And I, I just got up off the couch. I remember and walked into the other room, didn't say anything. It just, it tore me apart. You know, I couldn't be around that when I was physically dying, and someone's just throwing words around, you know, aimlessly and carelessly. Right. So tell us about your vision for Phil's friends. Well, when I was on my hospital bed, I kept a journal of all the things that people did for me. And uh, a group of people put a care package together for me. They all signed their names to it, said they were thinking about me and praying for me. I had individuals who, who prayed and others who would send me cards in the mail and they would come, you know, once a week. So when I was well enough to be at home, I'd look forward to when it was one o'clock 
you know, I'd be in often empty house and I'd, you know, get off the couch upstairs, make my way downstairs to the front door, put my hand in the mailbox and to see if someone had remembered me. And every week there was a card with my name on it. And so even though it wore me out to go down the stairs, I had the strength once I had that card in my hand to go back up the stairs because I had that encouragement. And every time I opened that up, it said that someone was praying for me and it had the right Bible verse exactly at the right time. Like if I was weak, you know, it had the Bible verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so what the vision is, is, you know, for me, it really started in a need. It started how people supported me. And I think, you know, we talk about this verse in the Bible where it says in the way that, you know, God has supported you, you know, that he's going to use that so that you can support others. And so I set these little bite-sized goals. Uh, one day I wanted to get out of bed. Next day I wanted to make it to the bathroom by myself. Next day I wanted to get out in the hallway and go to the, you know, the first room. And every room that I saw as I had that IV pole in my hand and a nurse and family member by my side, I saw adults and individuals that had nobody. It actually broke my heart to know that one, cancer was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And it's some of the hardest things that, you know, people will go through on this life, you know, a sickness and all those treatments. And um, I knew something needed to be done. And so I had peace because I knew that Jesus had died for me and I knew where I was going to go. And it actually, you know, it came down to a promise on my hospital bed where I cried out and I said, Lord, if it's time for me to go to heaven, I'm ready. But if it, if it isn't, I promise to devote the rest of my life to you, whatever you have planned for me. So what the vision is for Phil's friends is to reach out and show Christ's love. I mean, when we look, you know, in God's word, you know, in Matthew at chapter 25, you know, starting at verse 35, it says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And as you go further down in those those verses, you know, it's in verse 40, I know it says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And so the vision of Phil's friends is really to bring the gospel to the four corners of the earth. We want to meet people where they are in the same way Jesus meets us where we are and be able to love people. Whatever the tangible needs are, we want to help with those tangible needs. And then we want to be able to share the gospel when we can through words. So if we sum everything up of what the vision is, it's to bring God's word and truth to people so that they can come into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So tell people a little bit more about Phil's Friends. How can they get involved? What are, you, what are what other things that your organization does? Kind of walk us yeah. through. If I was to, if I was in need and reached out to Phil's Friends, what could I expect to get or be able to be a part of? Yep. So the ways that we reach out right now is we have these care packages, just like how I got a care package. And we have ones for men, women, kids, and teens. They're, uh, they have practical and spiritual items in it. So if you knew, Keith, you knew someone with cancer, no matter where they lived in the United States, you can go to our website, philsfriends.org, and request a care package for them. So it's P-H-I-L-S-F-R-I-E-N-D-S dot O-R-G. And you basically put in your, your information as the requester. And then your friend or family member's information, uh, basically their address in there. And then we put these care packages together, and, and we have a couple of hope centers. We have one in uh, the western suburbs of Chicago, another one in Indiana. And so we'll put these care packages together and ship them out twice a week. They go out in a decorated box uh, that are all done by volunteers. We have blankets and journals and crossword puzzles and uh, just a lot of comforting items that go in there, you know, biotin when people get mouth sores. And then the most important item we have in there is the Bible. And so once you request that care package, we'll ship those out free of charge. They show up on people's doorsteps. 
and they show up anonymously uh, just through the organization, letting people know they're not alone. People are thinking about them and praying for them. And again, prayer is powerful. And so once they get that care package, um, we always hear that it shows up at the right time. You know, God's in charge of orchestrating, you know, everything. And then we send cards consistently. So cards will start showing up consistently. So little reminders, you know, in the mail to let people know they're not alone. And they have uh, people that are praying for them and getting scripture into people's hands. Uh, So what you can expect when you call in, you know, one is you can get the care package. The other thing is you can volunteer. You can volunteer from wherever you are. We have card templates that are on there, uh, greeting card templates. So you can print those out, color them, write Bible verses and encouraging notes on them. And then you can mail them uh, to our headquarters and the address is on online as well. And then that's how we get the cards out to people. Uh, the other way we do it is we visit. You could volunteer in, um, in your local area. You can collect items that go inside the care packages. You can form prayer groups to pray for the people inside your community that are going through cancer. And often it takes, you know, just God raising up one person inside of a congregation or inside of a community that he's calling. And then we will equip them so that they can uh, reach out inside of their community locally and make a difference. Great. So you work with congregations, too, on that then? We do. Yes, we do. And um, it's a way, you know, if you think from a pastor's perspective, right, I, I mean, obviously, being a shepherd, you know, of the church, but our calling, you know, from the Lord is to be able to train people up, equip them and send them out. And so I know during coronavirus and everything else or the building, you know, I think there's a, a big wake up moment, you know, that's happening. That's what I'm praying for a revival, you know, moment during this time where God will just raise people up and we can equip them and we can send them out. And uh, so, yes, we would train people on how to reach out to the sick inside of your community. I've had friends who have lost loved ones for cancer, and, and it's a horrible, mm-hmm. uh, unpredictable disease because you have your ups and downs. So mm-hmm. so give us kind of an idea. You talked about you got diagnosed twice. What did What lessons did you learn in that, and did that— Second time of diagnosis push you farther from God? And if so, kind of what are the things that you and God did to to bring you closer to him through all of that? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking, Keith. Um, you know, both of the times going through the first time when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had stage four for nine months. So I was in the doctor's system, you know, lost in the system for about a year before they figured it out. So I thought I was going to die before they figured it out. So I was actually, I don't want to say happy, but I was kind of thrilled that they figured out they could do something. So that was kind of my first experience. Then when I went back into teaching, I'm like, oh, great. I I can share my faith with these kids and these families, and this will be incredible. And then when I got diagnosed the second time, I was angry. I was mad at God. I did not understand. It's like I had, you know, these uh, David moments, I guess, going back and forth to God and just telling him how I felt about everything. It didn't make any sense. You know, why? And I just, when I was crying out, like, God, I'm, going to get ready to, didn't I learn what you wanted me to learn? You know, you, all these things are going through your mind. Sure. Um, you know, I got my fiance, we're getting ready to get married. I have these 28 kids in my classroom. You're taking me away from that. And so I remember being in my hospital room, uh, that first treatment, the second time I was going through cancer and it was three in the morning and I was just angry. I was so upset. And I mean, when you're holding on to anger, obviously you're giving the devil, you know, a foothold. And, and so I remember just screaming out, top of my lungs, just letting God know how I felt. My dad was sitting on the living room couch three in the morning. And I just had to let it go. And by the time I could let it go and let God, that's when the situation changed for me. So there was a lot of you know bumps in that road that second time that I went through it. I remember uh, I had a best friend that was getting married 
and I was under under all these you know drugs and pain medications, and I thought I was supposed to go to the wedding, the wedding, but I wasn't supposed to get out of my hospital. You know, they couldn't give me enough pain medication to touch the pain. But what I ended up doing was ripping my IV out, ripping the pour out of my chest, walking down the hallway, thinking I was going to go to my friend's wedding. And I remember, you know, blood dripping down my shirt and, you know, all over the floor and then putting me back in that that bed. Um, it was just it was a confusing time, uh, a lot of challenges, but it was it was basically about keeping short accounts with the Lord, you know, being real with the Lord, being in the word every day. And um, that was really a, a good training ground for me. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely very challenging. But what always brought me back was being in the word, Yeah, being in the word goes back to that spiritual spouse again that with filled with the Holy Spirit too or yeah yes so if you if you could talk to someone right now who's dealing with cancer what would you tell them what what advice would you give them what words of scripture that was helpful for you that may be empowering for them just speak yeah. to someone right now who may be in that place that you were at angry with God not mm-hmm. sure about tomorrow yeah the biggest thing that I would do to start is just to listen to them let them know that how they're feeling is okay, whatever wide a range of emotions that are there just being there. But when I think about, you know, obviously all scripture is important and useful for teaching and rebuking and, you know, so many different things. But I would say one verse that I would, uh, that comes to mind is Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, when Paul's talking, you know, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in need, you know, in plenty or in want, you know, I've learned to do, you know, all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I think um, just equipping people with this is a real situation, you know, to to really kind of dive in deep spiritually with it. And, um, you know, the Lord is my strength, my song and my shield. There's so many verses that pop up with encouragement and um, just to keep on fighting the good fight and to persevere. Um, you know, it, it's a really trying, tiresome horrible time, you know, depression, everything else can sneak in through this. So I, I was just, I would just constantly, you know, be in front of that person and um, pray for them, you know, listen to their needs, pray for the needs that what they're asking for and continually, you know, send God's word to them in simple uh, ways, which, you know, God obviously makes that extremely profound through his word. Sure. So if you could think about your legacy, if you could say, this is the kind of what I want to be known for after all this is over, what would that legacy be? I want to be known for loving in the ways that Jesus loved, uh, that Jesus loves us. And um, back in, you know, Matthew 25, which we mentioned earlier, just, you know, showing up and loving people the way that, that God does. And it doesn't look the way that sometimes the American church, you know, has, um, set it up to be. So uh, I think a lot of times people are just, they're looked at outcasts or whatever else. And that's the same way they looked at Jesus. So I want to be known for loving others in the way that Jesus loved others. That's powerful. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? No, I think there's a lot I ask. I think Keith, someday we need to interview you for your own podcast because I know you got a lot to say. So <laughs> maybe, but nobody will hear that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate the time. So how can my listeners find you uh, more about your ministry, more about how can they support that? Because I think what you're doing is just really powerful. And I really wanted to highlight that for my listeners and, and for the church at large. I think all of us know someone 
who who's dealt with cancer or dealing with cancer now. Uh, mm-hmm. And just having some tools, some support, some way to kind of pour into people's lives. So, again, remind people how they can find you, how they can be volunteers, how they can bring that training to their congregations. Just sure. kind of walk us through that again. And where can they find you on social media? Just all those all those contact informations for you. Yeah, I would say, you know, the best way to get involved, one is to go to philsfriends.org. So it's P H I L S. F-R-I-E-N-D-S dot O-R-G. And you'll find volunteer opportunities in there. And the best thing that I'd say that you can do to get started is everyone knows someone with cancer. I think it's so common that sometimes we forget, you know, someone's diagnosed, the attention's there, but then those people are still walking that journey. So I would go onto the website today and request a care package for someone, you know, click on that link We'll get a care package shipped out this week to your friend or family member, and then they'll start receiving encouraging cards. And But we'd ask for your prayers. Um, you know, if you want to give, obviously, we've always, you know, we're 100% run by donations. But the biggest thing that we've seen, and, you know, it's a command in Scripture that when, you know, you reach out in love, you know, God takes care of your needs. And that's what we've seen. So I'm just asking you, you know, if you go on there today, and if God's put in their heart to request a care package for someone you know, to reach out in love or get involved through volunteering, put in a request on our website, or you can call our uh, office, which is 224-653-8315, 224-653-8315. And Keith, I'm very appreciative for this. Oh, my pleasure. I always like to highlight ministries that really are impacting people in in God's kingdom. So thank you for for this amazing time of growth. And I want to thank my uh, for being my guest and sharing your story, your your ministry, because like I said, so many people are impacted by cancer. It's impacted so many lives. And it's just nice to have something that we can provide a resource for people, an opportunity to be Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, in their lives. So thank you for that. Thank you, Keith. Yeah, so thank you for joining me on my podcast. If you want to go deeper, you can follow my blog titled The Light Breaks Through, and you can get similar content in your email box. The website there is www.alightbreaksthrough.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast. Please take time to rate it and leave a review. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart. I invite you to share this podcast with your friends, especially those who are dealing with cancer uh, on social media. And thanks once again to my my friend Phil for joining me on this life-inspiring journey. Thank you, Keith. Have a great day. May God bless you today.